0: Hello, and welcome to the Thinking Elixir podcast, where we cover the news of the community and learn from each other. My name is Mark Erickson.
1: I'm Kate Ward. And I'm David Bernheisel. Let's jump into the news. All right, Elixir Conf US 2020 videos are now available online. So we discussed that before that the keynotes uh, are on YouTube. They're free. You can view them there, uh, along with uh, one or two other videos there. However, now the rest of the videos are are also available, uh, but not on YouTube. Instead, they're on Vimeo uh, and after purchasing access. It looks like it's $100 US dollars uh, to access over 18 hours of video. We'll have a link in the show notes for you to go find those.
0: Alchemy Conf was announced, and that will be a two-day Elixir conference held in Braga, Portugal. Uh, Braga sounds like a beautiful city, uh, just reading about some of the things they're outlining with it. and This is set up to be a an in-person conference. So if you're coming out of this COVID lockdown and you're like, I want to get out and I want to see people and I'd love to see a beautiful city, this sounds like it might be a good option for that. So that will be the 14th and 15th of May in 2021. Let's hope everything goes smoothly so we can make that in person.
1: A couple of days ago, Ecto 350 RC1 was was released. It looks like it may come out soon. This is an exciting release with parameterized type and Ecto enum support like we have talked about on previous episodes. For more details on that. Check out our interview
0: with Mike Bins. And the Nerves Project won the 2020 IoT Evolution Community Impact Award for Nerves Hub. So there were three different projects that were granted that kind of winning status. But it's always great to see part of the Elixir ecosystem make a splash and get wider industry recognition. So congrats to the Nerves Project.
1: All right, Credo 1.5 uh, RC1 is out. If you haven't heard of Credo, Credo is the popular static code analysis tool for Elixir projects. It uh, gives helpful suggestions on improving code quality and uh, code readability, uh, and it just had its 150RC1 release. So maybe by the time the, you hear this, uh, the full 150 has released. Uh, but some of the changes include add the name of the check to the message when printing issues uh, when you're using verbose mode in mix credo dash dash watch can now enable watching files for changes instead of rerunning the checks Uh, so that's pretty neato Uh, and there's a new diff command you can now ask credo to only report changes in the files that were changed since the given git reference this is pretty helpful Uh, i know that there's some comparable ruby tools that do something along those lines like uh, if you're using rubocop in ruby uh, rubocop will will scan the entire code base (laughs) but if you use pronto Pronto will use RuboCop, but only only give you the warnings since a different Git reference. So this looks like a good Elixir equivalent here.
0: And finally, there is a new Elixir project called Ash Framework that was announced with some uh, fanfare. And what's interesting about this is they're taking a different approach to creating and defining API endpoints in Phoenix applications. Instead of building your traditional routes and controllers the way you normally think of it. This is using macros and a simplified declarative syntax where you define REST or even GraphQL interfaces. Another point that I found was interesting was the definition of a policies, which can help define access controls for what types of users can access different content. This is just an alpha release, and if nothing else, it provides an interesting point of discussion where we can start to talk about things that maybe we've been taking for granted about this is the way you do it, and to look for future progress. Well, that's it for the news. Today, we're really excited to be joined by Hugo Baruna. So you, dear listener, might know Hugo because you follow the Elixir Radar, which is a very well-loved, long-standing kind of contribution in the community around uh, what's going on, news and, and different events and things in the
2: community. And Hugo, we're glad to have you here. Welcome to the show. Thank you, folks. Thanks. I'm, I'm really excited to be here too and talk about Elixir Radar and everything. That's great.
0: All right, so first, Hugo, I'd love to hear maybe a little bit more about you. Just kind of tell us about yourself, where you live, what kind of work you do.
2: As you said, my name is Hugo Barona, and um, I'm Brazilian. I live in Brazil. I was born here, and I live in Sao Paulo. I also was one of the co-founders of Plotterform Attack, the company where Elixir was created. I co-founded a company 11 years ago together with Jose Valen. Uh, Creative and two other friends from college. And nowadays, I used to say that I'm working, but I'm not employed. Because in the beginning of this year, Platform Attack Tech was acquired by a, a well-known company here in Brazil. Since March, I'm in a sabbatical period. So I'm not employed by any company. I decided to take some time and think a little bit more about my life and work. But I'm doing some projects like Elixir Raider itself. So uh, I think that's it. Yeah.
0: So that's really interesting. I didn't realize that you had also uh, worked with Jose before Platformatech. So that's you've had a, a long kind of relationship there. That's really neat.
2: I met Jose in 2004 in our first year in college. We were friends since then. And uh, we started to do a company before Plataforma Tech. Um, back in the 2008, 2006, something around this, uh, was a startup that we were doing um, in Ruby. We we're learning Ruby and starting in the Ruby community in Brazil. And was I think it was the beginning of the Ruby and Rails community in the whole world. This company did not, did not work, but we learned a lot about Ruby. So we decided to start a consultancy specialized in Ruby back 2009. And this was Platform Attack, Tech. And we got really... Active in the Ruby community. And later, a few years later, we started Elixir. And here we are talking about it.
0: So, before we jump into learning more about Elixir Radar, I saw recently you're talking about the uh, Elixir ecosystem survey results that came out. And it sounded like you wanted to be kind of helping out in cleaning up some of the CSV, the raw CSV. Is there any help you need or anything about that?
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's a good question. I always followed how Elixir was being adopted uh, all around the world. I always liked this idea of a questionnaire or survey to understand, get, gather more data about the adoption, both from an individual perspective, but also from a company perspective. And I, I thought about doing this last year, but then the whole acquisition story came, came out. And then I talked to Brian from Dockyard and he started to lead the project. And I'm grateful for that. And, um, but now I, I do have some time. So I was thinking about trying to clean up and maybe do some analysis. I love to do data analysis. Uh, although I'm not that good with R or Python, Docs, that kind of thing, but I'm, I'm kind of good with spreadsheets and programming in general. So I think, but I think it's going to take some work. So if anyone else would like to to help, clean up the data and do analysis, I think it'd be great for also as a learning opportunity, but also as a way to contribute to the community.
1: What are you wanting to to get out of cleaning the data? Are you looking for like common threads in the comments,
2: like in the freeform areas? I think that each question by itself, like, uh, or how many years are using Elixir or Your company was using other technology before that. I think each question has a value, like the answers. But I'm kind of interested in the correlations and crossing the, the answers from different questions. So trying to understand if there's some pattern, like lots of the answers came from people that say they they were senior engineers. So maybe we can do some hypothesis around that. Maybe Elixir is more appealing for people that already has experience in other programming languages before. So I'm curious about correlations and crossing the the answers, but also about making some hypotheses and maybe that those hypotheses could direct uh, uh, efforts around the community but also around adoption inside companies
1: yeah that's that's really interesting like i know that there's a lot of like boot camps out there coding boot camps out there and they tend to introduce to the to the job market a lot of junior developers and so a lot of junior developers will know basically what those boot camps will teach and that primarily is Uh, Ruby on Rails, that was a bootcamp around around Durham that that was really popular. Python for any kind of data analysis kind of stuff. Uh, And of course, JavaScript. Pretty much any any bootcamp is going to have JavaScript courses on there. And so I know those three are really popular, but I don't see any bootcamps around Elixir, which of course, that would be a little strange at this point, but... I wonder what it would be like if there was a bootcamp out there, you know, that, that did Elixir. But I think that's a that's a great observation. I, I, I'm really curious how junior developers can get into Elixir, you know, earlier, if there's a good way for, for us as a community to get better about introducing Elixir to, to newer folks.
2: Yeah, I think there there are two ways, at least. The one that you mentioned is for people that are looking for a job already, but also inside uh, colleges, like universities and everything. Since Elixir was created by Brazilian, the Brazilian company, I, Jose and I went to uh, one of the top engineering schools in Brazil. And one of our teachers, my teacher, the, that the, he was teaching compilers and former grammars, that kind of thing. He reached out to us, to me and Jose, if we could. He, he was interested in adopting Elixir for that course. And now, because before that he was using Lisp, he was interested in using some kind of different uh, programming language paradigm. So he was usually because of the functional paradigm. And uh, before that he were using Java or C-sharp, that kind of thing. But he wanted to use some functional language and he was using Lisp and the Lexer came as a, a very great option too. So maybe for schools out there that want to show an example of a functional language, maybe Elixir is going to be a good option to introduce this paradigm for people.
0: Yeah, so I'm interested in seeing where some of the Elixir survey results might lead us in, in helping us to identify ways we can improve uh, outreach and just understanding how people are already finding us and being able to support them in their journey and kind of discovery of Elixir. That'll be something for, to look forward to. So Hugo, we brought you here to learn more about Elixir Radar and I would love to hear about like, how you got started with that.
2: So Elixir Radan was born in 2015 inside Power Attack. You had created Elixir before that in 2012, I think. Uh, 2011 was more like a, he, uh, Jose was, was, was playing with this idea. And in 2012, it turned into his full-time, basically full-time job at Power Attack. A few years later, in 2015, we noticed that lots of people knew about Elixir, knew about Joseph Evelin, but didn't know about Platform Attack. And we had to came up with some way to also get know in the community because we wanted to keep investing in growing the language, but in order to do this, we had to make some money and we were a consultancy development company. So we needed companies to know about us and hopefully some of them we need to, to hire our services. So Elixir was born as this idea to show that there was a company behind the language called Plower Attack, Attack. And um, we also noticed that there was no newsletter active back then. Before Elixir was a newsletter called Elixir Fountain, I think. And I always liked it, that kind of content curation newsletter Back in my Ruby and Rails days, I used to subscribe to Ruby Weekly from Peter Cooper and Cooper Press, and I like it. I also I always got excited when one of our articles in Power Tech's blog got featured by Ruby Weekly. We got very happy with it. And there we were. We wanted to people know about the company. And also, we noticed that there was no newsletter more at this moment. So we thought it would be a win-win to create this newsletter and show the company name and company brand, but also to help people to um, discover more content from Elixir content creators. And that's how Elixir Radar got started five years ago.
0: So have you always kind of been the primary person behind uh, the work on this and the effort?
2: Not exactly. So. In two thousand and fifteen, I was already—I was not doing. I am a computer engineer. I have a degree in computer engineer, and in the in the beginning of the company, I was one of the full-time developers together with Jose and another one of my co-founders, George. Uh, there were three of us, and uh, the other one, Marcelo, he was like the business guy. But as the company grew, I started to work on marketing and sales too. And on two thousand and fifteen. I was already starting our marketing team and marketing organization. Uh, in the beginning I was leading the idea of Elixir Raider. Like I was championing the idea. I believe that we should do it because of PowerPoint Tech and but also because of the community. We, we I always thought about win win things that could help both uh the company and the community. And that's also the philosophy that Jose and we and believe it because of the, of the open source philosophy and everything. But in the beginning, I was leading the idea, but now I was not in the execution. So people executing were um, folks from a marketing team. They were responsible for publishing and promotion. And people from an engineering team who were responsible for the content curation. Since beginning this year, uh, we started to move the newsletter from Powerful Attack to myself. And now I, I am the only one person doing everything like promotion, publishing, content curation, And also on other areas that I'm exploring around Elixir Radar.
0: Nice. Yeah, you mentioned there how you kind of took over uh, as part of that transition with the the company and being purchased. Uh, So it was in Elixir Radar issue 245, the 1st of July, where you changed the from email address to be you and opened up and just talking about like, hey, it's not a team, it's me. Uh, i'm just curious about how you experienced that how How was that received by the community
2: That was an interesting move it's like a, it was a small change but it was very symbolic to my to me. Fortunately, I got some good feedback, so I changed the front email address before it was I think team at lerader.com and now it's Hugo at Lerader it's easier now for people to just reply to the email and give me some feedback, comment if they like it or not. But I was fortunate to receive a couple dozen feedbacks from people um, like cheering up and saying, hey, this is good. Congrats. Uh, I like Elixir Raider. Thanks for your work and everything. So I, I got really happy actually about this.
0: I'm glad to hear that you got a good response when you kind of said, hey, it's me, it's Hugo, I'm one person behind this now. I'm just wondering how that changed things for you. And did it change anything?
2: Yeah, I think that there was some change more in a emotional level than in a rational one. It's it Actually, it's just one way for me to practice some of my beliefs around work as I'm Dive into myself around this sabbatical, but basically now there's just me. It's I don't have an entity beside between me and the reader. So it's more personal. Like I don't know, maybe uh, so if it's good and people like it, that's great because oh, I'm gonna get, get happy. But people people don't like it, they just complain directly to me. So it's Hugo's fault, now not, not a company. That's kind of risky because you don't have this one, this entity like protecting you, but it's something that I'm trying to embrace more and more. It's something that that I'm believing more and more. It's like, I'm calling this humanized work, like uh, just a person talking to another person. There's no, there's no company, you know, even big companies, there's there's no living entity. There's just people. So I just thought maybe I should just show that I'm a person and you folk that is really just another person and, and we can chat, we can, I can get happy, I can get sad and and I, I want to treat you like a person and hopefully I want you treat me like a person too.
1: I'm a big fan of uh, personal branding like that and shifting the conversation to be more conversational, you know, <laughs> not, not so much of a, you know, uh, just dis- disseminating information, you know, robotic kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I've, I've enjoyed it. You know, I've, I've enjoyed, uh, Elixir Radar, you know, being more personal. I think, uh, yeah, I I mean, I, I knew your name out in the community before, um, but I, I never really got to know you. And so Elixir Radar was really the first place that I got to actually see you and, and meet, you know, meet you. And, and hopefully other, other listeners of this podcast will now get to know you even more for listening to this episode. But I, yeah, I, I think it's been a really good change.
0: I agree it's a good idea. I think uh to to even if you're like a one man one person consultancy uh you know lots of times you'll see branding on the website would say like we believe in this, we do this. You know it's like well it's just you, right? It, there's no big other faceless team kind of thing. It's like it's just one person. Like just it it is quite a bit more vulnerable like you say because if someone's not happy with something and they tell you then it's like oh well you can take it personally, so it's a there's a balance there. But I think there's I think there's people can feel they can connect with you better when they know oh I'm talking with one person and the voice that you're writing in the way you word things you know that's you. It doesn't have to be like this PR speak kind of thing.
2: One of my beliefs behind this is like no one can be better than you than yourself. So if you show up as as an individual and with your personality, that's great. Uh, People ask me, hey, why should I subscribe to Elixir Raider and not Elixir Weekly, which is also a very good newsletter? And I say, oh, if the content is very similar, if you like me, maybe subscribe to Elixir Raider. If not, okay, you should subscribe to to Elixir Weekly from René, which is also a very good newsletter. but." I try to make it a little bit more personal so people can feel that we are connecting. Like, this is the idea of community, right? People helping each other and doing some kind of exchanges. And so, yeah.
1: So sh- shifting to logistics, Um, a little bit, how how do you find the articles and talks and content for, for the newsletter then? Because I, I know how Elixir status works and Elixir weekly, presumably, you know, you people, anybody really just logs into their system and basically tweets (laughs) from, from their system. And, uh, and then they, I guess they collect it, uh, into the newsletter, uh, at some point. So there's a little bit of, uh, I assume there's a little bit of, of, uh, of editing going on there. Right. Um. So, but, but what what do you do? What's your flow? How do you find this stuff?
2: I use a few different sources to find content and then curate the ones that I like the most. I subscribe to almost a thousand RSS feeds from different blogs around the community. So basically, everyone that I chose to feature on the newsletter, I subscribe to their blog to keep receiving content from them. and. So that's one of the main sources. I had to start paying a feed reader for that because um, <laughs> there's a limit to what you can subscribe to uh, in free um, free feed readers. But also Elixir, the Elixir Reddit, I, I use it to find content. Elixir forum tweets with the my Elixir status hashtag. And content that is sent to me directly through email. I invite people to send me content to the newsletter too. I don't have a system like Elixir Status. Um, I thought about doing this, but I don't know. I, I don't think it's needed. There are lots of different sources out there. But I suggest people to send me the links from their content articles and videos and everything.
0: You know, people think of uh, like trying to juice. Their SEO with Google. It's like okay, if I use these right keywords, then they'll find me. Because like like you had mentioned, when you would have uh, a Ruby Weekly feature, a blog post, like you feel great. You're like ah, people are going to see what I'm doing. And I'm trying to make a difference. I'm trying to reach people. I guess that's part of it. Is like you know maybe you've answered some of it right there. It's like how can I if I feel like I'm 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 wanting to share. I'm wanting to reach people. I'm wanting to expand. Uh, my, you know, the potential influence I have to help people, you know, it sounds like you're saying, hey, feel free to uh, email me to let me know, as one option. Otherwise, you know, using the my elixir status, using uh, posting it, uh, posting about it other places like uh, elixir subreddit or uh, elixir forum. What's the best one for you? Like, what is the one where you're most likely to pick up new content that you're not already following?
2: Uh, if the person want to make sure that I'm gonna gonna see it. Please send me through email, and also another tip that I, after reading lots, lots of different articles and investing the time to curate it, and I, I ask people to to insert the meta tag, the that description meta tag in the HTML. It helps me to understand what the article is about, and also when doing the, the curation. If the person want to, want to be sure that I'm going to look at, please send me through email, and please also add a meta tag description.
0: If I understand, like, is that like the the summarized way that they would want that to be presented, like the the little summary of?
2: Yeah, exactly. It's uh, you know, I, I subscribe to more than almost one thousand feet uh, of different blogs, and there is not a, a thousand new articles every week, but at least. 20 or 30 and as the community grows it's gonna be more challenging for people like me doing that kind of thing i'm already investing like for this curation part i separated something around two to three hours every monday morning as i keep continuing this i'm gonna have to find some ways to i don't know make it more efficient i don't know and adding a meta tag, uh, the description with a summarized version of the article helps to do the curation. So speaking of community
1: engagement, you know, you and I, Hugo, actually collaborated on a, on a blog post as well. And I was really curious. I, I had totally redone my blog into Phoenix Live View. I, I, I totally dumped Google Analytics and I got Plausible uh, going and, um, for, for just tracking hits. That's pretty much it. And you found the blog post somehow, so I guess you subscribed to my my feed. So thank you. Um, <laughs> and it was pretty cool seeing seeing the traffic. By far, by the way, by far my my biggest source of traffic to my blog is is Elixir Radar, even way more than Google. At least two times more than than just natural organic search results um, to my blog. In my opinion, probably more one of the more uninteresting blog posts that I've written, which is about moving the blog, <laughs> has got, got like over probably 700 visitors. And these stats are, are open source, by the way. So anybody can see this. You just go to my, my website, bernheisel.com. There's a little icon on the bottom right, and you can see this, the stats. So interesting there if you, if you want to take a look at it. The thing I remember was that when you sent out the Elixir Radar article that featured this blog post, I was watching one one of the features that I had implemented was a current readers feature. So I could see with Phoenix Live View and PubSub just like counting how many concurrent readers there were on the on the page. I'd never known that information before. And so as soon as you sent it out, like immediately, and I just happened to be at the computer when this this happened you know, there's, there's like 30 or so folks that just instantaneously uh, clicked on the link. Um, and then all through the week, you know, it hits up to around 700, 750, which was great. You know, for my little old blog, I don't usually see that kind of traffic. <laughs> I thought that was, that was really, that was a really good example of like the difference between connecting with your audience, right? And you and me, we had actually tweeted at each other back and forth and, you know, engaged with each other for probably one of the first times, and that personal touch really means, you know, a lot of folks. And, and with everybody writing blog posts, sometimes it feels like you're just speaking into the void, you know, and so having any kind of community feedback is just so fulfilling, you know, like, like I've, I've actually done something. Somebody's actually hearing what I'm saying, you know, and, and validating it. Um, so I really appreciate the work that you've, you've done there. Um, and it was really interesting, um, to seeing the stats too on the other side of that. You know the instantaneous response, and then the 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 trickle of folks all, all through the week as they're getting the as they're getting the the issue.
2: Yeah, I remember that day it was very was very cool for me too because uh, I was I was curious for uh, how many concurrent readers you were going to get it. I gotta say, I was not sure if I should feature this blog post or not because, as you mentioned, was not is what was about changing the backend. But I don't have like I'm going just to select that kind of article or that other kind. It just it's it's about a lecture in some way, and uh, if I think it's if I like it, if it's gonna be it's valuable in some way for the 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 audience, I choose to feature it. And you mentioned that the feedback from people that are using the thing that you wrote or that you build, I, I actually have this same kind of feeling. Every single week I have to send an uh, email for to more than 9,000 people, and I got nervous every single time because what if I screw up, <laughs> right? <laughs> then 9,000 yeah. people are going to see it. And uh, But it's also the same thing that got me nervous is the same thing that that is good for because I'm, hopefully i'm i'm helping in some way and then for the, the content writers like yourself those numbers are actually you mentioned 700 or something are not mm-hmm. that rare i i'd say i was doing some calculation before the podcast and i i noticed that on average uh an article that's featured on alexrate gets around 350 unique clicks or you receive 350 people on your website Mm-hmm. But the whole range comes from 120 to 1,100 people that uh, can go to your website. So I think that's cool. Yeah, I I, I mentioned that before Elixir Radar. I was writing at our PowerFontech blog. And every time that we, we were featured in Ruby Weekly and we got a fill, Uh, It was very exciting because we got lots of people reading it, and it just felt good. Yeah.
1: I I think the the peak concurrent readers that I saw uh, was around 50 50 concurrent readers, which is like mind-blowing to me.
2: (laughs) And it's interesting, when we say clicks or concurrent, it sometimes doesn't click, but when you're thinking people, like imagine a room with fifty people or three hundred people. Like it's lots of people.
1: Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, getting off my blog for a second. Let's. I, I want to ch- turn back to the community ag- uh, again. Um, so, so you've been doing this a, a really long time. You you've been observing the electric community grow and develop. Tell me what some observations you've, you've had, you know, of the community, what the content that you've been reading, you know, do you feel like things getting more mature? Do you feel like the, uh, the audience is, is more knowledgeable? You know, what kinds of things have you seen?
2: I think my perspective also got some information before Elixir Radar, because since Elixir was started at Platform Attack in 2012, and we wanted to grow we And we want to actually to grow, not as a single company effort, but as a community effort. We saw Powerful Tech as just one piece of the whole community and was designed in this way since the beginning. I also had this point of view as someone who was working in marketing and sales besides engineering. And I've seen along those years talking to companies using Elixir, and I'm going to talk about, about more about companies. Talking to companies or to our clients, I saw at least three different waves like the first one was companies who were adopting elixir but just as a small thing like for a microservice and uh, they were not born with elixir before they were using probably ruby or node or python and then they started to do elixir but it didn't grow was they usually they continue to use it but as a small experiment there's a service there usually it doesn't go down it works perfectly and that's okay for them but then there comes the second wave of companies that start to experiment with elixir and because of the feedback and like they, they like it and they decided to make elixir one of their main technologies and i've seen more and more companies doing this like elixir is like one of our not the main technology but one of the main technologies so one example that was actually one of our former clients was the real real we recorded a video with their CTO, we just interviewed with him talking about the adoption there. And the real, real thing was, was Ruby before it. Then they started to speak, experiment with Elixir and then Elixir grow. There are lots of other different, different examples. I think companies like Podium or DV. Then there's this new wave of companies. I'm calling this the third wave, which are companies that were born using Elixir. And I think that's kind of interesting. Uh, they were born using Elixir and Elixir is one of their main technologies or the main one like Brax, the fintech company so I've seen those different waves of adoption and I'm getting more and more interested about this as more companies get created I think there's this chance of Elixir being adopted since the beginning and um, it's interesting to talk about this because there are different implications so There's a way for companies who are using a technology like Ruby before to start using Elixir, which are different motivations or different challenge for a company who was born uh, using Elixir. Those are like the three different waves that I've seen in Elixir adoption inside companies. And from a developer's perspective, I think it's just natural that we have more and more people who are experienced with it. And I think that's important because companies, usually when they post a job listing, we have a, a job board too on Elixir Radar. So I've seen dozens of different job listings uh, for Elixir um, postings. And sometimes they're looking for people who have like two, three, four years of experience with it. And <laughs> just a funny story there. Uh, there was this company uh, a few years ago, hey, I'm looking for an Elixir engineer who has six years of experience it. And I say, hey, I'm sorry, but it's just one guy. This, his name is Joseph Alain. He's already employed <laughs> in my company. <laughs> and uh, so I it, think it's, it's just natural that uh, as the years go by, we have more people with experience, but we still need companies who, who hire people to, to, like to train, help themselves to, to get started and get experience with it. Yeah, that's some of the things that, I, that I've been saying.
0: So another thing I've noticed is maybe it's because Plataforma Tech was outside of the United States. It was, you know, in Brazil, uh and that's where kind of Elixir was born, but the Elixir community feels globally very diverse. Maybe it's also because there's uh the roots are uh you know from the Swedish Ericsson. And so there's a lot of, you know, European and you know in Brazil, there's a large amount and in the United States too, so it just seems like because it's kind of come up from these roots that were all outside of the United States, it just feels like it's very diverse. I was just wondering if you'd kind of observed anything similar.
2: yeah, I have the same feeling. I think you already mentioned some of the of the potential causes of it, so there's just there was just this thing that was in our control as the company and people who were behind it in the beginning, which was producing all the content around in English. So back before Elixir, we were part very active and continue to be active in the Ruby community. We created this well-known uh, libraries called device and simple form in the Ruby community and also had three people from our team, the Rails core team, the Ruby and Rails core team, Jose, Rafael and Carlos, and um, we knew that in order to have your project use it, you had to talk in English. Like it's for everything about software. It's the, that, that's the thing, that's that's just a fact. So that was the only thing that was in our control. We would write everything about it in English since the beginning, like the code obviously, but also not the documentation, but blog posts, uh, talks, and everything about it. Besides it, I think the other reasons we're kind of out of our control. As you mentioned, I think one of the things that Erlang was created in, um, by Ericsson, which is in the Europe and the Erlang is also um, very, um, there's the Erlang solution, which you use a lot is they're, they're based in the United Kingdom, I think. And then Elixir, although we, we, we thought about since the beginning to be a global thing, it was created by a Brazilian guy in a Brazilian company, and he was living in Poland. So we had at least three or four different countries. So US, because we knew that usually new technologies, they are adopted by US people and US companies. That's, a, that's, the, that's the way that I perceive it. But then the Brazil, because we were here, and Jose was living in Poland already. So he connected with lots of the community, local community there. And then there's the roots with Erlang. So uh, that was kind of interesting because that was one of our desires to have something that would be used all around the world, some by chance, some by uh, design. So that's my feeling too. It feels kind of a global community.
0: You mentioned just kind of talking about your personal experience with computer programming. You graduated as a computer science degree, it sounds like, um, from a technical school and you'd also mentioned how the amount of time it takes, like two to three hours just on Mondays you know, just to curate and and go through all of this. I'm just wondering if you still find time to write any code well, you mentioned you're also on a sabbatical, but so like you know in general, like what are you doing there with uh with writing code?
2: One of the things before the sabbatical, I was leading marketing and sales and everything related to lecture from a business point of view. I was in charge of our U.S. clients, Platform Tech U.S. clients, so development, consultancy, and also this service that Jose continued in Dashbit, which is called Elixir Development Subscription. And uh, so I, I was not doing coding at my job anymore, but I love to code. I, like, I'm, I usually say that I'm engineer in my heart. So one of the things that I said to me is, hey, since I'm going to into a sabbatical and I can decide to do with my time at least for a few months or some time, I'm going to start coding again. But that said, I'm not doing I'm not coding on a daily basis. I started to the beginning of this year, started to like study Elixir like every day again. I uh, was reading Sasha's Yurik book, a very good book, Elixir Action, then programming Phoenix. Before actually, I didn't have read any book. Just doing the Exorcist my and the elixir getting started on the, uh, and also reading and everything because I was part of the community in some way. But lately, I've been doing just a little bit of coding because the elixirator account app is a Phoenix application, and I'm trying to evolve the job board a little bit. But elixirator is actually one of an excuse for myself to code besides contributing. So I decided that I'm going to rewrite the application. It's a small one, but it's going to be uh, fun enough. I'm going to rewrite elixir.com uh, of the newest versions of Elixir and Phoenix. And then um, at least for a few weeks or a few months, I'm going to be coding again, like every day, or at least every week. N- now I'm just doing some kind of bug fixing and small maintenance in terms of coding, but it, for Elixir Raider, it takes me every week, something around, I don't know, uh, between four and six hours per week for the creation publishing. But I'm also trying to make it financially sustainable. So I'm investing some time to explore ways to make money of Elixir Raider so I can keep investing in it to grow and Hopefully, like, pay for my time that I'm working on it. There's different aspects of of Elixir Radar. There's coding, but there's also some kind of marketing, some kind of, I don't know, product developments or something. I don't know. Maybe it's not a product itself, but I think you got it, yeah.
0: Yeah, so I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, I did want to talk about um, this idea of sponsorship because that that was something that was very interesting that uh, it was in issue 247 of Elixir Radar, it July 15th, you announced a new funding model called Elixir Radar Individual Sponsorship in an effort to make it more sustainable. So can you tell us more about that?
2: Yeah. So the idea is something that I've been thinking before Elixir Radar, actually, this idea of making work in the open source communities a little bit more sustainable. So financial sustainability is important to me, not just because of the Elixir radar, but because of open source in general. And the idea is basically, in addition to volunteer work, people doing uh, work for free and for passion. I think that's awesome and I appreciate it. I think we as open source communities can also benefit from work that is paid for people that are doing this because they're being paid for that. Not because just they they want to do it uh, in their own free time. I got inspired by this blog post from a guy that uh, I don't remember his name, but I think he's the guy from behind a, a project called Livewire. It's kind of live view for PHP. Uh, I, I I don't remember he, he he's a. Uh, he decided he wanted to be a full-time open source developer. He dropped his job and he needed to find some, a way to make a living because he didn't have someone to pay for his, for his job anymore. And he went to, into a one-year journey, something like this, and found some ways to make his work, uh, to make money of his work so he, he could continue working on his open source projects full-time. So I kind of stole it, his idea. He, he called it individual sponsorship. And that's how I came up with this Elixirator individual sponsorship thing. It's basically a way for Elixirator subscribers to donate money to Raider. And that was it. I wanted to experiment that because of different, different perspectives because one is, I think there has to be ways for individuals to keep working in open source. And when I say open source, it's mostly open source code but there's more in the open source communities besides code. Like this, this podcast is an example, actually. So podcasts, newsletters, I don't know, event organizers, content creators. So the lots of different work that people are doing because they love it. And I think that's awesome. Uh, it probably talks to some human basic need. People need to, to feel their love, to feel they're loved, to feel they're secure they say, also they need to feel they belong. And I think open source work talks to this human need to feel that people need to feel they belong to some group. And also they, they need to feel that they have something of worth to contribute to the group. So open source work is a, is a very good way to do that. But I think depending on this only, uh, it's, it's maybe it's not that sustainable. So in addition to volunteer work, I think it's important to have some kind of commercial paid, I don't know, work. And I've seen it. I've seen a difference because apart from Attack we had one person doing full-time open source work since almost the beginning. We were 20 people or something in 12. I don't know when we decided that Jose could be, could invest 100% of his time doing this. And because of this, he was being paid for for this and other, he was doing some consulting too, but lots of his time was open source. Because of this, we built lots of different projects like device and simple form in contribution with other employees from Platform Tech that were doing this in their free time. And also between client projects. So Rails 3 came came about because of this too, uh, not, not only ourselves, but we, did, we had our part and then Lexer so Elixir came because he was doing this not only in his free time, but also is, in, is a bad word. And we wanted to have more people working in Elixir open source, but we couldn't afford it. Later, I think 2018, or 2019, I think 2018, we came up with this idea with Elixir Development Subscription, which is a service that is now being done by Dashbit. Josephine's new company, and basically the idea: is, Hey, how we can make money, and then we can take that money and invest most of it in open source. So, the legacy development subscription was a service by Platform Attack and now Dashbit, which most of the money goes back into development and open source development. So we have like we had consulting clients was a subscription uh, like a support service, and because of this, now we could afford to hire two more people to work on open source, not just Jose. Uh, Wojtek, the guy that later created MySQL, and then Marlos, who created Broadway. So, you know, I saw this when you have some way to have a virtual cycle. You make money and then you invest more in open source and then the things grow. So... Because all of that, I thought, hey, can I make money with Elixir Radar and make sure that we continue? And that after, I don't know, months or years, I won't burn out because I, I maybe can separate some time to, to continue investing in it. And that's how I came up with this idea of the Elixir Raider individual sponsorship. And later, um, and I'm now exploring also with company sponsorships and paid uh, job listings.
0: I do want to make sure that people are aware that Elixir Radar does have job listings. And you did mention that. And I was always wondering like, huh, it looks like it's free to list a job here. You could charge some money, you know, because like, you know, headhunters, you know, they will, you know, just for finding people, they're charging thousands of dollars. I do think that would be a great option as an additional arm of uh, being able to support that. But uh, yeah, so I'm glad to hear you mention that as something that you're also looking into. So I'm curious though, what has the reception been like? You mentioned, you, you kind of came out and said, hey, I'm looking to do this. Uh, what's that been like?
2: Most of the feedback that I got was good, but I also got some bad feedback. Bad, not, not because the feedback itself was bad, but people that didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm learning. This is the first time that I'm doing a newsletter that has some kind of making money way to support it. So I'm also doing some changes. I appreciate the feedback, like, I value this being personal thing. So I started to start a little, bit of, a little bit of text in the beginning of the newsletter. But then I found out, huh, this line looks good because people, I think they, they're more interested in the articles than why I'm writing as an individual. So I started to put this in the bottom and maybe I'm going to remove it to its own blog. So the feedback from people that didn't like it and it's good because it makes me reflect and do some changes. But I also got lots of great feedback. People that think that it's important to make work in different aspects of open source community sustainable. So, yeah, it was mixed. Most of it was good. And the ones that from people that didn't like it, then some people decided even to unsubscribe to this letter because, I don't know, they think this is bad because you don't have, you can't mix money with open source or something uh, there's this line of thought uh, that i understand i just it's not not the way that i think at least but i think that's okay because we have and um, there was this person that ah i don't like what to do this is not ethical. and i okay thank you for your feedback that's i uh, appreciate it but hey it's you have other options too there's this great newsletter and hopefully they they're better for what you're looking for. So it's an exercise in vulnerability for me. It's, I, I'm seeing Elixirator, uh, not just a thing that, that can be useful for the community, but it's part of my sabbatical. Um, one of the things I'm doing in my sabbatical is to delve into myself and doing some kind of self-reflection to being able to articulate my values. And one of them is being authentic and transparent. And I'm trying to show this in my work. And sometimes people, like they don't like to see what's really behind those things. So, yeah, you know, hey, that's okay. But, but when, when they like it, it's good because, hey, this is you, this is your work. So the feedback's good uh, and I'm learning with it. And I'm changing some things as I as I get it.
0: Well, that's what's nice about it being a weekly thing is you can just kind of like tweak it and experiment with it, and you know, a, there's always the next one. Just it keeps coming. Same with podcasts, right? We're just trying to like, well, what if we do this? We'll see. So yeah, it's a it's a process, right? Yeah. Well, I appreciate all of the effort and contribution that you've created to the elixir community over these years. And I've benefited personally, just as a consumer of the the data and the information and what you're putting together and all that content. But I've also benefited because I wanted to share something and my article got picked up and I was like, whoa, you know, people are seeing this. I feel like I'm creating something that has value, right? And it lifts me up and I got a boost. So, and I've, I I know other people like uh, David had mentioned that as well. So I appreciate your efforts and I really do hope you can figure out a great way to have sustainability, right? Without saying, well, I have to have a job and I just do this other thing that takes a significant amount of time and over time you you begin to resent it, right? I know the whole discussion about sustainability and open source, it's a a lot of people are trying to figure that out. And I don't know I don't know a good answer right now. And hopefully we do find one. And I appreciate your efforts in trying to figure what that out and what that looks like for you. So, appreciate that.
2: Yeah, thank you. Thank you for inviting me and uh, for the opportunity to talk about myself, about Elixir Radar, about my thoughts. And looking forward to, to keep contributing to being part of the community.
0: Great. Well, if people want to follow you or uh, what you're doing and what you're working on, what's the best way to do that?
2: I think the best way to do this is to... It's me kind of some weird because usually people say, "Hey, you could go to my Twitter profile, Hugo Barona, and follow me." But uh, I decided that the content there is going to be in Portuguese, so it's not uh, well it's suitable for a global audience. If you like to follow the work that I'm doing, that's for the whole world. It's as uh, alexrader.com or and uh, subscribe to the newsletter or uh, Raider at twitter and also i'm starting to write more at medium.com slash i'm starting to think about it doing the behind the scenes of Raider in medium in a blog instead of Raider newsletter itself so those three channels the newsletter the twitter and the blog
0: nice and we'll have to have links to all that in the show notes Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time on Thinking Elixir.